My name is Shuri, and my life was ready for a change. It really looks terrible. Good. It all started with Joan. I'm Joan Jett. I want to start an all-go rock band. Once we met... We love your look. We are choosing you to be a part of rock and roll history. We did what no one else thought we could do. You know how many bands think they're going to make it? Well, excuse me if I don't want to work at the Pup and Fries for the rest of my life. People said we were a bad influence. Open up, you filthy vomit. But who are they to tell us that? What is this? It ain't baby shampoo. We were about to make rock and roll history. We did it. Mercury Records. We got signed. We got signed! Runaways have the most chance of any group I've seen over and over. to tear this world apart. Can't stay at home, can't stay in school. I just got to spend time with my family. Your family? Are we not your family now? We were the first girls to rock. And we did it the only way we knew how. On our own. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Heroes Asylum Movie Review. I am Kane. And that's my buddy Mike on the other side of the equator. What's going on, buddy? How's it going, man? It's going, man. We're, we're, ba- doing, we're back uh, to doing reviews. Yeah, we took a, we took a month off because October is normally watch long month, and um, so we're back to doing the one watch long and then one review. And this is the one review, and we're going to review the Runaways because we're doing another theme month for November, which is music. music. Yeah, one of the things that uh, you knew very well, and uh, so yeah, we're going to do a review. On the Runaways, and then we're gonna have like a watch along later on in the week with uh, another movie of our choice. But uh, yeah, so we're gonna start on Runaways, and uh, Mike, you take it away, sir. Well, we're starting Runaways, like you're saying, for uh, 2010, so the American biograph, biographical drama film about the 1970s punk rock band, but you know everybody's version of what they were is completely different. But this was directed by uh, Floria Sigamondi. I butcher the hell out of that, but that's fine. Um, she is primarily known for doing a lot of uh, a lot of music videos. Uh, Marilyn Manson, Christina Aguilera, Justin Timberlake, and you'll see that as you, as you guys watch this movie. When you sit down and actually watch it, definitely video like music video vibes going on through it. Uh, a wow. lot, of, a lot of great scenes, and definitely, definitely a lot of a lot of those uh, quick cuts, like video esque scenes. Yeah, you could tell she came from that MTV. Type world doing the music videos and stuff, but um, yeah, you'll see when you see. It's not a long movie neither. It's actually uh, 106 minutes. Actually, no, it's almost two hours. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. I watched it this afternoon. Yeah, it's a little bit longer than I remembered. I was like, well, I don't remember it being this long, but still a great movie. This was her first feature length film, her directorial debut, and she wrote it, but she based the screenplay off of uh, Sherry Curry's uh, book uh, Neon Angel, and uh, so that's why when you watch it, the there's one thing I have to say about the movie. You know, as I watch this, they sort of ignored the rest of the Runaways. Yeah, it was basically a, it's a Cherry eccentric movie. It's Cherry yeah. and it's Joan primarily, yeah. and uh, yeah, they really ignored um, 
you know, really, I mean, probably one of the biggest ones. You know, out of uh, out of the other two, I mean, I think yeah, Jones the biggest one that came out of the band, but well, Lita, Lita Ford. Ford, yeah, That's yeah, no, she was the second biggest one. I know, I know, Sherry had a re- you know a little bit of a career later on, but when you look at the Runaways, the two icons that stepped out of there, and Joan or, or Lita was like a, a, a like a, a little blip in here. Yeah, she barely had any scenes. They made her out to be a bitch too. Like, there's like most of the scenes she's in with Cherry, she's always yelling at her, saying you're drunk, yeah, you're drug addict, and just being like just bitchy. And like you said, she's barely in the movie. Like that's that's the only scenes you'll see with her. Just her yelling at Cherry all the time. Get in the booth. You're a drug addict. That's always bitching at her. I'm like yeah. God. I mean, you don't do a story. But we we're you know we we have a uh, Sherry uh, being played by uh, Dakota Fanning. Uh, this is probably one of her first, I guess, sort of semi-adult. Roles. I mean, because she's known for like Cat in the Hat, Man Man on Fire, World of, World of the or War of the Worlds. Uh, Charlotte's Web was probably one of her bigger ones as well. So she definitely uh, really a good spot here. I, I think afterward this, that's when she started getting into a little bit more, uh, you know, adult themed ones. Like she was doing the Alienist. Uh, she had a starring role in the Alien Alienist, Ocean's Eight, and uh, of course the uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which. Great, great role for her in that. And that movie was just so did much. Did she do the Neon Demon as well? Was she a Neon, Neon Demon or is that somebody else? I don't believe so. I don't know. I'm not. I, just, I only pulled I, up I, a few of the uh, few of the ones I, I recognize. Um, another one. Uh, I'm not sure if it was her, but I think it looks like her. But yeah, I think I think she was a Neon Demon, but uh, probably not. But um, and also she was in with her co-star in this movie uh, with her co-star Kristen Stewart. She was also in the Twilight Saga as Jane, if uh, if anybody remembers that as well. So this isn't the first time these two, you know, acted together. Uh, but they, like I said, you know, Kristen Stewart, famously known for, you know, Twilight. Um, she had she's had a few other ones out there uh, into the wild, which is uh, one of my probably one of my favorite ones of hers. Um, but then also speak it catch that kid. She did uh, the reboot of Charlie's Angels, I think, too, which was was she wasn't that bad in that film either. Uh, I, I, she I wasn't bad. It. it just was a bad film. So it just was bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was not a, but she was good in it. But like the rest of the shit was just yeah, it was very garbagey. So yeah, and, and congratulations <laughs> no, to her. Anyway. She she's just been uh, her, her and her uh, her and her girlfriend just got engaged. So that's uh, oh, that's awesome for, for them. So yeah, and uh, I'm trying to remember who it was. There was a, a celebrity that offered to uh, to to wet them. Oh, uh, Guy Fieri, the the celebrity chef. He offered to to wed them. I guess he's a. Uh, I guess he's a a a, uh, a preacher or a uh, reverend minister folk. Well, pretty much anybody can be a minister nowadays. Isn't That's that right. right that is correct. And then, of course, <laughs> the one and only Michael Shannon on here, which fucking amazing. He did amazing. Foley? Oh God, so good. Um, I think one of the scenes. I think it's towards the. I think it's the beginning when they're inside the uh, mobile home, and they're uh, they are. I think they're looking for a song for Cherry to sing. And she doesn't have anything. So I think Joan and somebody else, they literally started writing Cherry Bomb right then and there. Well, yeah, and him, him, uh, Kim and uh, Kim and uh, Joan started writing it right Joan, then and yeah, there. Yeah. And then like uh, Michael Shannon is actually singing this. So he's like, heck, hello, mommy. Hello, dad. He's like doing the whole thing like, oh, OK, this is fucking General's Eye. All right. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny. It's like his role in here n- got no nominations for anything, which I which was – I thought was – yeah. Man. He was so good in this film. Like, I didn't see Michael Shannon. I saw Kim Foley. And Kim Foley's not really one of those people that you talk about a lot. But in the music industry, yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's massive in the music industry. He, he was a big, uh, big songwriter in the 70s. And he was mostly known for, like, his, his um, not his campy acts, but he he would do, like, weird acts. Uh, um Papa Mau Mau 
Uh, they, he wrote. He was one of the co-writers for that song. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He wrote. He was a co-writer for for a lot of the '70s bands. Like I was saying, Cheap Trick, Alice Cooper. So he was uh, definitely a a big factor in that. So, but we'll go ahead and get started on this. Uh, basically, we're following Cherry Curry growing up as a teenager in Los Angeles, California, who desperately wants to be a rock star. I mean, this is the late or early '70s. Uh, so she's idolizing big time David Bowie, and of course, you know us at our age, we were idolizing David Bowie in the eighties and nineties. So yeah, it, Bowie's influence continues. Bowie, the ever changing. Can't wait till we actually do the. Uh, actually, there is no Bowie biography film, which there should be. So. Uh there sort of is. Yeah, the, I'll have to get with you offline about that one. There is an interesting one uh, later is on in the uh, about his uh, about them doing the Broadway film or the Broadway play of mm-hmm. of it and it's like the one that's about the later his later life almost just before he dies and it's really like heart-wrenching oh, heart-wrenching one oh really so yeah. you see like his later years and stuff yeah yeah not not far before he passed away but it but it's an interesting thing because they, they talk about his past and then how the story you know for the for the album that came out and you know about Ziggy Stardust and the and it's a play all about it so it's really cool Oh, I'll have to check that out then. Yeah, we'll talk yeah like I said, that. I'll have to find. I can't. Re- I can't remember it yeah. off the top of my head. I've, I've got too much runaways in my brain right now, so I can't. Uh, <laughs> I gotta. I gotta. I gotta Cherry data dump. <laughs> got a data dump after we're done with this. Uh, so, but it's uh, Cherry and her and her twin sister, uh, and um, which they eventually actually have their own band le- years and years later. And uh, it's funny. It's <laughs> I guess it's kind of a the the degrees of Kevin Bacon. I actually. <laughs> My ex-wife dated and lived with Marie Curry's ex-husband, uh, guitar player Steve Lukather from uh, the band Toto. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I have like this strange <laughs> connection a, that way. Yeah. A, you got a weird connection in runaways there, huh? Yeah, yeah. Before I, just before I started dating my wife, she had just had broken up with, with Lukather, and, but he had and then she he, he'd been married with to, Mar- to Marie Curry before that, so... Oh, it's a little interesting sidebar. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a little thing. But uh, so <laughs> as we see, we see her idolizing David Bowie. She's cut her hair. She's donning the makeup to resemble Bowie's, you know, iconic uh, Aladdin Sane character. Uh, she does a uh, lip syncing contest uh, to Lady Grinding Soul and uh, basically gets heckled off the stage. Her sister, being a loving sister, of course, is trying to, you know, support her and everything. Next, we drift over to Joan Jett as a teenager who is also has dreams of rock stardom. She's at a club one night. Uh, we see kind of Joan like hanging out with her like a female friend of hers. One thing with Joan Jett, she has never said whether she is gay, bi, straight. We know for a fact she is definitely bi because um, we've seen her with guys and girls. But we see yeah. that – they see those moments with her hanging out with this female friend of hers. Yeah, they never mention anything. I guess just subliminal, like, "Hey, you know, she's, you know." Well, no, no, no. In the movie, they do. They they get into it. Yeah, later. Uh, but so, uh, so she goes out to a club one night, and she meets the record producer, a guy she's hanging out with. She's making out with some dude, and she's like, she looks over. Oh, hey, that's Kim Foley. Walks over, starts talking to her, and he introduces her to Joanne, who, um, and uh, she's a drummer. Or sorry, jo- Joan is introduced to Sandy West. Sorry, and, and she is the drummer, you know, a, a just a random drummer by herself. So they start getting together and, you know, getting songs together, writing together. Now, this is really where we're going to kind of get into this when we still watch The Doors. Because you remember, I, I was kind of made up my feeling about 
that the doors was yeah you said it was very inaccurate doesn't it's, it? It's, 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 it's extremely inaccurate of how they formed and the things that happened but same thing kind of happened here they already had a bait you know they got together they found a bass player they found a uh well they already had the drummer but they had a bass player she kind of came and went and Joan had been a, you know and they were doing gigs before they even found Lita they had already been out playing around and the way the movie makes it sound is that they're there's just these two girls hanging out in the garage, like jamming out together, writing songs. Yeah, and that and is they, so far from the truth. Well, you know, a little social inaccuracies. Yeah, and again, that's again, this is a this is a fan made film. This is you know a fan fiction film in a way. Like, hey, we're we're taking some of the stories, and it is also you know based off of Neon Angel. So I've never read the book, so I don't know how she tells it. Yeah, uh, it's, it's basically her side of the story. Yeah. So, you know. So, so uh, Kim and Joan are uh, comb the Los Angeles clubs to look for hot blondes because uh, Kim suggests, "Hey, you know, you really need a hot blonde, you know, in your band." Uh, so they uh, they discover Cherry, who's running around the, the clubs, hanging out. Uh, they invite her for the audition at a at a trailer park in uh, in San Fernandino Valley, and and they uh, to prepare for uh, to using a Susie Kataro uh, song, and uh, so but she chooses to do Fever. By Peggy Lee, and of course, you know they're like, "What the fuck are you doing? This is a yeah, not quite the song you <laughs> yeah, want." Well, this is, yeah, this isn't what we're trying to do here. Okay. Uh, and like you, and like you were describing, you know, they have that moment where Kim, going back up based off of what he used to do, write songs with these big, you know, big writers. Him and Joan kind of sit there and sort of on the spot collaborate, writing Cherry Bomb, and this is actually the based off of of the you know, the actual thing that happened. That they sat there, kind of knocked around some ideas, and figured out what they could do. Yeah, uh, I think well, as it went, Joan was playing like some kind of guitar riff, and then like he came up with like a verse, and then she did, and then he started singing it. I'm like, oh, okay, so that's how it was. And I think, yeah, that's pretty much, I believe that's pretty much how it went. So. Yeah, they're yeah they're making comments that yeah that's pretty much how how things okay. happen on that. Now, one thing that Joan said when she was watching the uh, <laughs> watching this, the only thing that she had a problem with. Was that uh, she was not a leather pants kind of person like we all know her now. You know, we think Joan Jett, leather outfit, you know, uh, she was more blue jeans kind of person. So she's like, she's like, that's not really how I was. But when you see image and images from her, you know, at that time, any of the uh, the, uh, the the like I said, the images and the pictures that they have, the promo pictures, that's what I was trying to look for, mm. has her in yeah. leather. But she's like, no, when I was just hanging around doing shit. It was jeans. You know, it was jeans and a t-shirt half the time. Yeah, she, couldn't, she couldn't afford the leather back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not like in the movie where she walks over with a bag full of quarters and like, hey, give me that suit. Yeah. It's like, come on. Yeah. That, that's what she's known for later on when she makes, you know, Joan Jen the Blackhearts. But like here, no, it's mostly blue jeans and this yeah. regular type of garb. But yeah, she's known for that. Yes. But that's later on. But I can Now, if you notice when you were watching it, you know, uh, it's kind of, I guess, to set the time. They, they brought up Elvis a lot in the beginning about, hey, you know, him and, him and – uh, him and uh, and uh, Priscilla broke up and everything like that. It's funny is that the that they mention it so much. Sherry's sister Marie, the actress that plays her, mm-hmm. is actually the product of that union. She's the really? granddaughter of Elvis Presley and and, and Priscilla. Really? Yeah, uh, R- Riley uh, Keel. Riley Keel. Yeah. Oh, that's that's right. that's who plays. That's who the, I was yeah. looking. I, I was looking at Riley Keough before we started recording. Remember, I was asking like Riley Keough. Why does that name sound so familiar? Yep. 
Oh, that's, yeah, yeah. She is. She is Elvis Presley's granddaughter. So throughout the movie, I mean, not a, a lot throughout the movie, but like at the beginning, there's a lot of that mentioned, which is kind of funny to to, yeah, to hear mean, them say that. But then the her grand their granddaughters there. So that's crazy. That's and freak. then as you watch, look at Dakota Fanning. She actually is wearing something that Cherry actually wore through her career. Really, Dakota's belt buckle. Oh. Is actually I mean, Sherry's belt buckle given to her, and uh, even Joan Jett backs it up during the DVD commentary. She stated she's like, "No, Sherry wore that thing all over the place, all during the tours and everything." Yeah, I remember she got that. I believe like some kind of thrift store. She yeah, she wore that all the freaking time. Well, as far as the film goes, I mean, I don't know. I didn't watch too many Runaways concerts because yeah, you know, I wasn't alive back then. But hey, I, I know she was known for that belt buckle when she was touring with the. Uh, with the runaways for all then and sadly she left but you know i didn't know that that's yeah. uh that's a little catch there. so uh so she learns the song again and we see that lita ford is now the lead guitar player we now have robin on bass now robin the bass player had to be changed because i guess they couldn't get the rights from the actual bass player so they had to use a different name for them and during this time we see that joan and cherry kind of share some bit of a passionate kiss again implying you know the lgbtq Mm-hmm. thing through this whole, whole through this whole movie and it's funny is they uh, the LGBTQ film festival would not allow this in there because it's the dumbest reason this is representation of a strong awesome freaking metal band or a punk band that came out and they were a huge icon for a lot of people in that in that uh, in that that culture mm-hmm. in that community but they didn't want to have that movie in their festival because Joan Jett has never stated that she is that. That so, she's never come out and said, I am gay or I am bi. She's just like, you take it for what it is. So the, the film community, the, uh, the, the LG, there was an LGBTQ film festival that literally said, no, we're not going to put this movie in there because she's not a, a she's not a, a she's not taking a stance as being this, which I think is completely opposite of the whole concept. The whole concept of what they are. Yes. That's, that, that makes no, that, yeah. wow. Like, I did not know. That's, yeah, that when I read that, crazy. I was like, they did what? That's the dumbest. So she's just that's, like, she's like, I'm me. Take me as I am. I do not need a label. So strange. But they're like, no, you have to have a label to be here. And I'm like, that's like completely opposite of everything that I've been told of that community. So That's weird. Yeah. So just basically because she didn't say, hey, guess what? I'm gay or bi. Oh, no, we can't have you because you haven't taken that. That is so. Yeah. And yeah, in a lot of interviews, she's literally said, just you take you decide what I am. You take me. You take me as you see me. That's that's, that's something I've always been respectful about her. You know, this is my life. I do what I want. I don't you don't need yeah, to. She's, she's a pretty private person. I mean, yeah, she's a rock star and stuff like that. But you don't see too much of her private life. Yeah. Like once in a while, you'll see her like out and about. But other than you know, concerts, you don't hear too much about her. Yeah. Especially now. Uh, the Runaways are soon signed to Mercury Records, and they release an album. On the account uh, of the album's success, they travel to Japan. And the, the whole thing to travel to Japan, Kim, like – like I love the fact that they raid a vacant house, have a party, get money. Kim uses the phone at the residence to call overseas to book them their tour. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was saying. He's so good in this movie. Like it, it's it's just shocking that. Um, yeah, he com- he comes across very flamboyant and uh, just over the top. Yeah. There's been a lot of like bad things about Kim in the past. Like they're like you know like some heavy court 
court cases about some of the things that they claim that he had done, you know, allegedly he had done and stuff. But he's fun in this movie. I gotta say, he's one of the fun parts. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I think him and Je- I think uh, Kristen Stewart stands out. Even Dakota's Jerry, she stands out. Dakota does to me because I, I, I forget it's Dakota. You know, yes. I, I watching her grow up and seeing the the movies that she was in, and seeing her portray that character and. The, the over-the-top drug use and the alcoholism and just the pain that you see in her, it, it just – it just I always forget it's Dakota. Every once in a while, if those was like a moment she'll pull her hair back or something, then, then I'm like, oh, there she is. But other than that, now you see Cherry in there. Yeah. Cherry uh, Curry. Nothing against Kristen Stewart. I, it's one of her better – my favorite roles of her. Not my top favorite, but one of my favorite roles for her. Um, and I know a lot of folks, you know, talk about, you know, the Twilight series and how that, how she was in very, very cardboard and in, in paper, you know, in her performance. But a lot of that, I also believe it was the, the script. Yeah. The writing and the scripts. But, uh, that's something I've learned recently is like looking at actors, how I really connect with an actor. And if I believe them, it's in their eyes. And sometimes I see actors that, yeah, they do great acting. But their mm-hmm. are, their eyes aren't there, you know. Their eyes are, don't believe their role, and that's that's usually a defining moment. And I didn't see that really in Twilight, and this I saw more of it because it wasn't just her performance, but it was her body language too. When you actually look at, you know, not her verbal performance, but her body language was you know, really good as well. I would say the mannerisms she had the Joan Jet mannerisms down, like yeah. you know, not not being like super super tough and stuff like that. But I'm just talking like as far as like a walk goes and attitude, like. I, I don't ever think Joan Jett was so hunchback, though. That's the one thing no, no, no. I was like, what the? Yeah. Is, why is she so hunchy over there? But yeah, always like just bent. Yeah, yeah. A little str- to me, she's more of just like a st- upward like that. Like she's very confident. It, even in her video, she's like that as well. It just this one. Yeah, I, I, the whole arch back thing or hunchback thing. Is, yeah, I saw that a couple of times. I'm like, does that that doesn't look right to me? That's, I don't think Joan Jett was hunched over like that, but. Yeah. Like I said, it's a movie, so we have to yeah. just take. So, but before they go out for their tour out to Japan, uh, they uh, she gets a call from their their record label saying, "Hey, we're going to send over some you know photographers to come over." And she's like, "Okay, so the rest of the band's going to meet me." And they're like, they're like, "No, well, we're going to get it with them. We're just going to get you right now." She's like, "Okay." She comes over. They come over. They she takes a bunch of sexy pictures and and stuff. And they travel to Japan where just it's just fucking gangbusters. That just Japanese fans, yeah, they, they, there's always the joke, you know, I'm big in Japan. That's because of the, the fans in Japan, when they are, when they love something, they're very passionate about it, extremely passionate. Hey, and, my favorite uh, live albums of all time, probably yours, is when Cheap Trick went, I think, went to Singapore or something. I think live in Singapore or no, something. Live in Budokan. Live in Budokan, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. And you can make a career out of you know touring Japan and live. Yeah, actually, yeah, you can. Yeah, even like yeah, wrestlers. Wrestlers are big there. I know the one thing like with wrestlers, they always talk about because they 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 know like the the albums because it's not just Cheap Trick that's done Live at Budokan. There's been a couple other bands who've done similar albums. And but when, <laughs> when wrestlers go there, they're shocked because the wrestling fans don't make noise like they do here. No, they're very quiet. They're very quiet. In fact, the, <laughs> the quieter quiet. they are, the better that means that you're doing. And that's uh, it's, it's something they yeah, have they're, to they're very, very respectful fans. I mean, they don't get too crazy. Even like if you look at the intro of some of the wrestlers when Jericho went over there, he had the pyro and everything. He's, I think Judas, that, that's one of the first times he used Judas as his entrance song. They were like, just like, like this. 
Oh, okay. Uh, do they like it or not? I guess like what you said later on, Jericho's like, yeah, I had to learn that, you know, even though they're not cheering, that they means they, they like it. So yeah, yeah, just- they're, they're out there wrestling and they're like, nobody's making any noise. Like, I, I just did this awesome move. Nobody popped. What What's going on? Like, no, 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 we like you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so as they're touring Japan, we start seeing like this more closer relationship growing between Cherry and Joanne or Joan. Sorry. I keep saying Joanne, but Joan. Joanne, Joanne. Uh, so after, after one of their big shows where Cherry comes out and like wearing like this lingerie for her, for her onstage gear, which honestly, if you look at some of a lot of the pictures of pretty, them pretty at that strong. time, it's, it's something that they've, that they've done before. Yeah. It's, I think they were like, um, I wanted to say Madonna got influenced by that when she was doing her, uh, Breathless tour or something. Sure, she wore like a weird cone-headed bra. I think that was an influence. I no, that was. Uh, I think it was off of the Vogue tour. The, the, the Vogue the, tour, the, yeah, the bra. Uh, but during this time, is uh, they they have a big blowout. Is when Lita discovers and she sees these these uh, this, these magazines filled with her pictures, and she kind of loses her shit on her about it. Like, what the hell are these? And even Joan goes up, you know, starts fighting with her, you know, or kind of agreeing with Lita about, hey, no. It's a band you're supposed to represent with the music, not your imagery. If you, you know, represent with the imagery, that's what they're going to look look at us as. Not our music, but you as you know, a you know, pinup girl now. Yeah, now, this is sort of where things kind of go off you the know. rail as far as like really what happened. Uh, in 2018, uh, Lita Ford had, a, had an uh, interview about you know, her time with, with the band. And she actually made the comment. She's like, it wasn't the the images were one of the big things. It was that the band was gay. Yeah. That not only was Joan and Cherry sleeping with each other, but Robin and the drummer were sleeping yeah. together. And she just felt like she was on the outs of like, what's what's going on here? You know, and. <laughs> And she just she that's where she kind of felt on the outs and didn't feel like she fit in with the band anymore because this was going on. They were, they were having these relationships. Um, yes, Sherry eventually ends up, you know, she gets married, has kids. But, you know, she does. Um, you know, she she does during this time, you know, is a bisexual at this point. So, again, another representation of this, you know, of the of that community. Oh. Uh. Now, Sherry actually ends up marrying later on, uh, 1990. Just, so just, just give you an idea, and they have a son together, Jake Hayes. She ends up marrying Robert Hayes. And if anybody knows who Robert, the actor, that's right, from Aerpl- Airplane. Airplane. Yeah, okay. Yep, they end up, uh, they, they get married. Um, they, uh, they were married for about seven years. But yeah, she does eventually end up, uh, you know, marrying and settling down with somebody. It's just very weird that <laughs> the runaways <laughs> end up. Marrying <laughs> freaking the lead actor of Airplane. That's a little okay. <laughs> that's a that's an odd little mix. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Um, well, that's one I wouldn't bear together. <laughs> no, no, you you just you definitely would not put those together. You wouldn't put put Ted Stryker and uh and Sherry together. <laughs> and he also to kind of wrap it, you know, bring it back around. We got to bring everything back to comics. If not, if it's not Doctor Who, it's going to be comics. Uh, Robert Hayes actually voiced. Uh, Tony Stark in the Iron Man 1994 um, animated. That's funny. That was on Disney Plus. It's the one on my queue. I think I started watching it. I was like, this voice is familiar. So I had to look it up. Was Mr. Ro- I thought it was like another Robert Hayes, like a voice actor. No, no. I didn't notice until you told me now that's actually Robert Hayes, Mr. Ted yeah. Stryker. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
So Cherry and, uh, and Joan argue along with Lita, and they, they you know, they, and they um, you know, over the enthusiasm of the fans, all of a sudden break through the window. Uh, the, so the girls vacate the building. Cherry's drug use starts get just getting worse until she basically overdoses in a hospital, in a, in a hotel elevator, sorry, and then spends time in a hospital. Uh, she arrives back to, in the United States, uh, and Cherry begins uh, to uh, um, to abuse her uh, alcoholic uh, father's painkillers. Yeah. At that time, uh, you know, they, of course, her her dad's like on her, on his deathbed. Yeah, and she starts stealing his pills and stuff like that. She went off, she went off the rails, and I yeah. think that's pretty weird as well. What happened to Cherry uh, during this time with the runaways? She got a little she got a little in, involved in that life, and. You know, as you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, as they say. So she went off that path, and then you know, we went forward, and you know, stuff happened yeah. after that. So after at the studio recording uh, their next album, Cherry just has a mental breakdown, refuses to play after reading like cruel comments about her by Kim in a magazine. So he's having an art, you know, doing an article or an interview for her on an article. He's doing an interview for an article. It's hard for me to talk this day. Sorry, guys. God bless you. It's okay. And, uh, you know, he talks about just what a fucking nightmare she is. Probably, again, probably one of my favorite scenes in this film is that interview where he just has, like, he's sitting in this 1970s, like, like, um, like rail kind of chair. Like, it's just very in this, his hand gestures. I mean, he's just, he's tripping on something during this. And it's just great how Michael just portrays this character. He's he's on something. <laughs> yeah, kick ass job. Tragedy. So, yeah. So uh, so so Lita then rudely you know insults Cherry for being more popular than the rest, and of course you know, there was always that tension between them. Uh, Cherry insists that she never asked for it. Uh, Kim orders Cherry to uh, get in the booth and sing, and Lita continues to just like bash on her, like you were saying. Lita was portrayed extremely negative throughout this whole, whole bitchy, thing. Yeah. very bitchy Lita for him. Like, wow, it's the same girl who's saying "kiss me once, kiss me twice." Like, come on now, whoa! I I know, I know for a fact she wasn't like that back then. She like somebody say I think it was Joan that said that um you know she was a great bandmate or something. You know, we're still friends to this day, but they just made her straight up bitchness. We're like, oof. Yeah, it was yeah it was a little yeah. rough. Yeah, I don't think they really talked to her uh, through the for this movie. I, I know she's been interviewed about it, and usually she's not very kind. Yeah, about how I'm <laughs> sure. But, I mean, if you if I was portrayed that way, I kind of would be feel the same way. I'd be pissed too. Like shit, she's every right to be that way. So, uh, so eventually, just Sherry's like, you know, screw it. Angley quits the band and just leaves the studio. Joan is outraged, and the Runaways are just basically finished. They toured for a few more years, but they just they were pretty much done. At that point, yeah, they, they weren't around that long. I mean, very influential, but they—I think they were what, what, two, three years tops? I think they were around. Uh, let's see. Yes, three years, seventy-six to seventy-nine. Yeah, three. yeah they weren't around that long. But I mean, I mean but in that time frame, they released four studio albums and one live album. So again, not around long, but the impact they made in the music industry and in, in the, uh, especially in the female rock industry, amazing. And, I mean, just huge. Even to this day. Even to this day. Well, I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, for, to, to make a movie based off of you know off of them, it definitely. Uh, it shows they had influence, yeah. and like I said, you could th- you could thank uh, like you know, Joan Jen, the Blackhearts, which we're going to get to. Um, 
Vixen, another band I was influenced by them. That's just like a tons of like female rock acts that were influenced oh, by them. You, you, got, you got Lita Ford. I mean, you think about it. Ford, you know, yeah. A very influential metal. You know, she went. She didn't just stay in like rock punk vibe like uh, like Joan did. She she jumped into the metal you know area. She went dive straight into that metal world and kicked ass for a long, long. Actually, still is. I think she's still touring. She still tours. Yeah, I don't think she tours it as well. She's uh, getting up, getting up there. No offense, but. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, the long in the tooth, as they say. So, uh, so Sherry returns home while Joan starts her own band, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts, like you were saying. Uh, Cherry collapses in a, a phone booth uh, after trying to uh, buy some uh, buy cheap liquor from a uh, from a supermarket, and they just basically told her, "Get you know, go. You can't. You can't be buying here." Uh, I don't know if she just didn't have the right to license or something. She showed her license, and the manager just like, "No, you got to go." But I mean, I probably wouldn't have served her if she was puckered up. Yeah. Uh, then at the hospital with her twin sister, Marie visits her and orders her to, you know, it's time to straighten yourself up. So eventually, you know, she goes into rehab, gets herself clean. Uh, so then the movie jumps a few years later and Sherry is working at a local bakery and she hears Joan's cover of I Love Rock and Roll on the radio and calls the station where Joan is there visiting for an interview. And they have a very strange conversation. Um, the the host of Rodney uh, – Bingenheimer, who had been around and kind of followed their career from the beginning. He remembers seeing Joan and, and Cherry at the club when he would DJ at the club. And so he very, you know, he remembers them very much. And so they just have a nice conversation. Cherry says, you know, hello, and I just wanted to say hi and then just goodbye and continues working. Uh, and just smiles as the next song play, which is uh, Crimson and Clovers, comes on the radio. Yeah. And that's pretty much it, I believe. What'd you think? I get a, it's not my favorite music like band, like, like my favorite biopic or what if you want to call it, but I do love it because I, I I like the the relationship that you see in there in uh, in in the um, with the characters. But again, there's also that relationship of that you know Lita was a, <laughs> a bitch. And- yeah, that, that, that kind of that kind of bugs me. Like, why is she such a bitch? That's what kind of threw me off. Like I like I told you before, the uh, performances by Michael Shannon, great. Uh, Dakota was good. Christian Stewart was actually really good. But like the whole Lita Ford thing, I was like, wait a minute. She was just as big as a member of this band as, as those two were. It probably sometimes, you know, according to some people, could be even more. But her portrayal was really bad, like just a throwaway. But I think the three performances, like you said, Shannon and Dakota and Stewart to me are like the highlights of the film. Um, I would say like if you wanted to put it in an order, I would put Shannon first. Above Definitely, all. yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I do Shannon, or do, yeah, Shannon, Dakota, and then Kristen. I to me, I would actually yeah. keep those. I'll keep those. Yeah, I would keep Shannon, then Dakota, then Kristen, uh, and that's that. The, like one, like two and three are pretty close together. I mean, they're not too far apart. But yeah, Michael Shannon steals the show. Tragedy, he didn't get nominated, but uh, still a good film. I mean, I dug it for like you know because I'm a big fan of punk and that music, and I like the Runaways and I like everything that came after that. So to me, it was. It was it was good. It was good. It wasn't great. Yeah, and again, you, the rest of the cast like held their own. I don't. I don't. I don't take anything away from anybody in here. Uh, you look at the girl that played uh, uh, Sandy West. Uh, that was uh, she played. Uh, we were, you and I've been talking about recently. The Magicians. Uh, she, yes. That's actually that was Julia, uh, the girl that played the drummer. Really? Yeah, that was the girl that played the drummer. Um, the lady, the the actress, uh, Scout Taylor Compton, who played Lita Ford. She was in Halloween. She she's really? the one that played. Yeah, she played uh, Laurie Strode. In the uh, in the two thousand seven remake in the sequel, really? Yeah. Huh. 
uh, the bass player. I, com- I completely missed her because she was so far in the back. That was uh, Aaliyah uh, Martin uh, Shawcat, who, uh, if anybody is a fan of Arrested Development, she played Maybe. Jesus. Yeah, so I'm saying if you really look at the cast, it's a great cast. They just didn't really get their chance to shine. Again, I don't blame them because it was basically, you know, everybody, you know, everybody's. Um, it was cherry centric. Yeah, it's just very cherry centric. Yeah. yeah, cherry and Joan centric. But again, that's that. something I've, I've mentioned about you know, a lot of music movies. They, they, uh, they really, they, they focus on one thing. They, it's not a, about like a true, honest story. Uh, even if you look at like the last, uh, the most probably the most recent like metal movie was you know Dirt. Yeah, it was a lot of a lot of things that were off on that. Uh, we'll get to you know in, later this this month uh, the Doors. Uh, another movie we're going to be doing here shortly. We're going to be doing Johnny Cash's Walk the Line. I'm a huge Johnny Cash fan. Read multiple bios of him, and yeah, wasn't <laughs> I was like that's not how that happened. A lot of uh, a lot of movie magic going on yeah. in the walk the line and the doors. I can't wait till we do those. Oh, and that's yeah. gonna be yeah, fun. That'll be fun. Again, I love the doors. I both of those I like and I love because of their their imagery. Like Oliver Stone, amazing imagery and what he did to tell that story. Oh, great! Like the images, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Even walk the line, fantastic. But uh, yeah. you know, if you're a fan of those bands, you might see some inaccuracies in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, movie. guys. Well, that is everything for us so make sure you do check us out for the rest of this month we're going to be departing up with our freaking music month we got uh pick a destiny mm. doors and we've got like we said walk a line uh we are posting out this week for on our monday movie um uh, on our facebook page tell us your favorite or favorite music movie we may be we're probably not covering them but tell us what your favorite one is just you know it's your dirty secret whatever it is let us know I know, I, I know there's some ABBA fans out there, so I know some of the uh, are, are fans of Mamma Mia. So, so you go ahead and post that on there. Right ahead. I know by the time you guys are going to hear this, it'll be a little bit late, but you can go back and post it on Monday. But yeah, check that out. And uh, make sure you hear us or catch us on Heroes Asylum as well. We're uh, coming back every Mondays and uh, you know covering up the latest stuff. Uh, this week we're going to be covering uh, the uh, Eternals because uh, Kane and I both have gotten it and I have been – I, I've put Kane on a on a on do not speak in terms about Eternals until the show. So, yeah, wait, I'm literally biting my tongue for 24 hours. <laughs> so make sure you guys do check that out. And uh, Kane, you got anything? Uh, check us out on Twitter, Hero Asylum underscore podcast, Instagram at the Hero Asylum. Where I've been a little bit silent on the uh, social webs, but uh, that will change uh, as everything else. I'll update you on that. And uh, from Mike to me to you, get the asylum. See you soon, guys. <laughs> <laughs>